So we're here for yet another Mandalorian discussion show. Uh, and as people who are watching the video may be able to see, above me and around me, I've got new bookshelves and things with stuff. And above me, uh, I've got Mandalorian stuff. Uh, the camera's not that HD, unfortunately. Um, so I am going to try and improve the camera quality because it's just the default one in the laptop. But you can kind of, you get the gist, High Republic stuff all around me and things. But I'm here talking about Mandalorian with none other than Angry Andy. Good, sir. How are you doing? How have you been finding... No, how are you doing? And then have you been excited for Mandalorian? And we'll kind of go off from there. I am doing okay. Um, Mandalorian. Now, I I am... I, I wasn't excited. I was excited, to be quite honest. Um, but then I just remembered, like, that I didn't really enjoy the way everything happened in the book of Boba Fett yeah. um, with the resolution to Grogu going off of Luke Skywalker happening so quickly and him coming back. Spoilers. Um, you should really have watched all of it by now. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I've got, I had a bit mixed feelings to be quite honest. Um, I, I, I was sort of thinking, well, are they going to, are they going to address it in any more detail? You know, his, his quick departure, are they going to, how just how are they going to do it? I was left with quite a lot of questions following the book of Boba Fett, um, and then with sort of Andor being as bloody brilliant as it was, I was left with even more questions. You know, in terms of like Christ, um, the quality is just on a on a different level. Um, I, I, yeah, so just really mixed feelings to be quite honest. I mean. I, I really, really enjoyed the first season of um, Mandalorian. Second season was up and down for me. Um, and then looking back at last week, um, it was a bit of a mixed bag for me, the premiere episode. It was a bit choppy, a bit all over the place, a bit of... Um, look at these characters that were in uh, the last two seasons from two years ago. Hope you haven't forgot about them. Hmm. Um, look at these places that we've been to before. Got to make sure you all remember them. But here we are with this episode, and thankfully, it's a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with you there in, in certain respects. I think it is the better of the two episodes. I did enjoy the last episode. I, I didn't think it was phenomenal, but I, th I did think it was in the upper half of Mandalorian episodes because there are... Like, I enjoyed Series 1. I didn't think it was mm. amazing, but I enjoyed it. I think Series 2 was better, but it did have a couple of weaker elements, but the stronger elements, I think, were far stronger i think for the most part than season one um but then as you say book of boba fett was uh, certainly weaker in places couldn't really decide what i wanted to do and then the mando stuff and it yeah. was actually amazing so it's like what but i agree when, when i was speaking with brett last week he said the prob uh andor's kind of spoiled us in a way because yeah. it's it's so good that now it's like we always just thought oh they're gonna be like kenobi and boba fett and mando mm -hmm. which are fun but flawed entertainment with some cool lore and some cool action scenes but not quite the dark and mature, subtle Star Wars and espionage and like the darker side is what everyone's kind of clamoring yeah. for from Legends. We want these more mature stories that don't hold your hand and point out cameos all the time. We want that. And then they were like, okay, here's Andor. And everyone was like, I'm sorry, you've, you've, this is amazing. This is beyond anything. And now we're like, yeah, Mando is, is cool. You know, it's a yeah. good, fun show. I, I, I love Mando and I'm glad it's here for what it is. And there are some mm. killer moments in it, you know, but with Andor, I was like, oh, I was like, after season two, because it's only apparently going to be two seasons, after that, I'm yeah. just going to be like, oh, they better 
There's got to be something they put in its place. I'm hoping they learn and things like Ahsoka. I want to be that, but I don't think it will be. But no. I'm hoping other shows they can kind of explore and do things with and be like, let's go into that thing because I don't want it to be right. There's Andor series one and two. We'll make one random little spin-off show, and that's all you get for this mature content and nothing else for for ages. It's like no. Like, I want them to mesh it in. I want, if, Ma- if Mandalorian was made in the way that Andor would be, it would be considered arguably one of the best shows ever. Andor's already almost considered that. Yeah. In, in some, so I wouldn't say it's in the best shows ever made ever, but like in Star Wars, it's definitely up there. And then if you thought of like a, a really amazing film uh, series of that year, it was definitely one to be considered. So it was like yeah. when it's that good, that out of the, the yard, it kind of spoils it for Mando because we're like, You've you've done it <laughs> now. Just it, yeah, use it, it, does, it. It does, and I remember talk, I remember talking uh, to you about like Andor, and I will hold my hands up and say at the time I did not care. I was like, eh, I'm not. I don't really. I'm not really bothered about it. I'm not bothered about it at all. I watched it purely on the basis that of how much I enjoyed Rogue One. It's Rogue One is still the best Disney film for me. Mm-hmm. By far, I'm I'm a war movie junkie as it is anyway, and obviously, like yourself, a, a massive Star Wars junkie. So mm-hmm. both of those elements meshed perfectly together for me. And with this show, I think what struck me with Andor, what struck me was the absolute quality in the writing, the quality in the performances, the depths of all the subtle innuendos and backstabbing and planning and the scheming. I didn't expect it. It took me off. It caught me off guard completely. And you're right. It's kind of spoiled, um, <laughs> you know, the perception of the the Mandalorian, really, because it was the first show. It was the first introduction to Star Wars TV, other than the animated stuff, of course, but live action TV. So we were sort of like, you know, on tenterhooks for that entire first season. Oh, what's coming next? What's going next? Oh, he's done this. It's very gunslingery. I love it. The Westerns. And again, I love Westerns. Not as much as war movies, but I love Westerns. Um, so the, the were, there were like tasty elements there. But I think for me, what, what did sort of undermine Mando in season two was the level of nostalgia. And like you said, we, we, we don't get any of that in Andor. It plays it straight. It just goes straight for the bull's horns and it gets straight into people are going to die. <laughs> Played in simply. So, but yeah, it, it's it, it's weird. It's almost like a different genre, isn't it? Mandalorian It's playing it more light and more fun. You know, this this almost campy mythological Western, which is, is Star Wars anyway, isn't it? Yeah. But um yeah, I just, I just don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know where it's going. I think that's the thing with the Mandalorian at the minute. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure and convinced where it's going. Um, I've got a wild prediction for the end of the series, but I don't think it might actually be that wild considering what we've seen in the last two episodes. But we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, and also, Ben said he can be joining. Um, ah, and things, so that's all good. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so that's um, awesome. Sorry for that pause there, um, but yeah, it's with, with Mandalorian. It's everything you said is correct. It, it's it's its own sort of genre, and it's it's one of those because, as you say, previously with Book of Boba Fett, it, it kind of didn't know what it wanted. But if they, I think they are doing a season two, and I'm like, okay, I, I'll still watch it. But it's like I, I kind of need it to find its footing, and I'll yeah. we'll, we'll concede. Clone Wars series one is not the best. Rebel no. series one, I love it, but it's not the strongest. It's it's yeah. just pretty good. Resistance series one is 
pretty awful and not to offend any of the creators involved with that i know it's, it's mainly for a sort of a younger audience but i, I was not mm. a fan of that really but series two did pick it up a bit more um but like series <laughs> ones are with with shows you get one of two ways you either get yeah. the first season is often the best and then it gets worse or you get it often when it's more when it's more of a franchise thing it's normally once it starts to get going or sitcoms mm. are a lot like that like the first seasons of a lot of american sitcoms for example they're not the first season's rarely the best you know it takes a yeah. few seasons to get its footing so i think of like the lines like that i think mandalorian is kind of finding itself i think it was trying to hook people a little bit after you know the the sequels kind of got uh well, critical uh, negative reviews and things, and uh, understandably, a, a lot of criticism towards the sequels and the Rise of Skywalker. So when I think season two came about, I'm not trying to undermine the storytelling element, but like with Ahsoka, who obviously we, we love and Dave Filoni created, and Luke and things like that, it was like, this is a grab for people who've kind of yeah. gone away from styles a little bit. And it's like Mandalorian for a lot of people, but Boba Fett, people weren't often a fan of. Obi-Wan Kenobi, people often weren't a fan of. And so it's like, there are obviously a lot of fans that do enjoy those properties and I'm one of those, but it is becoming the mainstream people who kind of dip in like, oh, I'll give the show a watch. They yeah. watch one Star Wars show and get like a lot of them watch Book of Boba Fett, stopped the series uh, episode three, didn't get to the amazing stuff with Mando. And then they've started Mando and I've had people on my uh, Facebook I'm acquainted with who've said that thing and commented those things to me as well and saying, you know, I don't really understand what's going on. I've said, I've posted, I've said about, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, look into that. Um, <laughs> But it's it's certain shows are making it weaker. It's like people dip their toes in, but not enough people dipping their toes into Andor because it's yeah. like the the most unlikely show that any non Star Wars fan's going to watch. But it's the show that is probably the best for people who aren't even that into Star Wars. Yeah, that's the crux. That's the paradox. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's like it's like a weird, it's, like, it's proper double edged uh, lightsaber blade, isn't it? Like <laughs> it's, it's probably it is the best show, and yet it's the it's the one that people will go. Eh, I don't, I don't really, I don't really get. I had to convince one of my friends to because he was he was he was of the same thing. He's like, oh, is it just going to be all this, you know, cameos and this? And I was like, no, it's it, if you've watched all you need to really watch a New Hope, Rogue One, and you can just you can go straight into it, and it'll all, it'll all make sense, and it tells its own story. And that's what I think. That's why I think start, the Star Wars shows need to do is they need they need to be telling their own story, like fundamentally telling their own story. And I, I hope we get. And Ahsoka is probably going to be some form of rebel spin-off, isn't it? Or some like like belated sequel, if you like, and which is fine. But it, again, it's not going to be massively accessible to, like you say, people coming in on the random, like like my missus, for example, who was. You know, started watching The Mandalorian purely um, because of <laughs> Baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. She had no sort of connections to anything else. And with season two, she was doing the same thing. She was like, who's he? Who's that? Why is she there? Who's this person? Oh, is that that Ahsoka? Why has she got white lightsabers? <laughs> it's like, oh, they, they, dropped, they dropped a sort of a ball on it. In, in my in, in my opinion, I think they could there could have been ways and means of doing it without having to force in so many people. I mean, even even today, she was like, "Oh, is that that? That's that Bo Katan person? Who is she again?" And it was like, "Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Christ Almighty!" <laughs> Fortunately, that's one thing where myself and Megan we uh, split a lot of the TV shows, and Star Wars uh, gets priority. So it's like we'll watch some Star Wars and we'll watch something of hers that she wants to watch. So mm. I managed to, especially because over lockdown. 
it was like the period where she was kind of she wanted to watch all the movies and was getting into it so we could watch clone wars and rebels and those sort of things and so she has watched all those once and she knows them enough but there's been like times where th- things still come up and she's like who's that and I'm like, oh yeah you you're a normal person <laughs> you just yeah. i forgot that, that like you don't know what the species of this is or immediately recognize someone the moment they come on screen and know exactly who they are where they come from and what like series of media that you've seen them in like they're just like oh i vaguely recognize that person there who is it it's like okay here we go <laughs> <laughs> i will explain it to you right now mm. So, uh, just a recap. So, for episode one, what you you said it was kind of like here, there, and everywhere. But did you enjoy the episode as a whole? Um, yeah, I think enjoy in terms of like I was like, okay, now show me what you've got. Mm. Like, I think it was just because it was very, it was a very short episode, and they went to what five different places. I I kind of was just like, okay, I'm, I I know I know these people now. I know these people. I, I appreciate showing me, you know, the evolution of, of Grief Gargo and everything, but all right. Did we need to do this in the premiere episode? Let, <laughs> let's go. Let, let's address the elephant in the room for for the people that haven't watched um, Book of Boba Fett. Let, let's do that. And they didn't, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was okay. I wouldn't say that I, I enjoyed it, but it was it was okay. I sort of tolerated it and went, okay, let, let's let's see episode two. Let's see the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said at the start, thankfully, we, we do have something that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, hello there, uh, Ben. We have not started talking about the episode as of yet. Uh, sorry, I checked my message. When I sent it to you, it said uh, the it's going to be in seven hours, but it must have been a delay and it must have been sent late. So I should have just said uh, the time more clearly, but fear not, still here. We've got over another hour so it's all good and uh all we've done is sort of recap our sort of feelings with live action shows and things like that Mm -hmm. so before we even delve into the episode uh with yourself uh i know that you have been very critical of certain live action shows that disney have put out however just like myself and andy have been speaking about um before you showed up was andor is so good and it's a level of Star Wars that we've all been hoping for that none of us have really got because we were getting like Mandalorian and Kenobi and Boba Fett, which are all great for me in their own rights, but do lack in certain areas. And obviously those areas affect yourself more than, say, me um, in certain respects. But I can still see the critical lens of them. But then Andor comes out and you think, this is so amazing. Why why have you not been capable of making something this good from there, that's what we've been talking about, Ben. I know you've got some opinions on that, so please share us some of your opinions of that before we dig into uh, Mandalorian uh, season three, episode two. Well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me, Mike, Andy. It's not the first time seeing you as well, oh, yeah. guys. On the flights to you, my X foil was damaged. I don't know if it's Admiral Thrawn at play here. The <laughs> message got scrambled. <laughs> Something happened along the way. Can you hear me fine? Yes, you're yes, all good. We can. Perfect, awesome. So yeah, uh, to get immediately jump into it, it's. It's lovely being amongst the gentlemen who can have this passionate debate about all Star Wars things, disagree, and still being able to see the other side and say, oh, I see see where this person is coming from. I see what he's liking in it. So first things first, I think in general, overall, Disney has been doing pretty well. We got some shows that I can honestly admits to being absolutely stellar, amazing. Mike, I know you're a huge Rebels fan. So am I, The Bad Batch. The last episode, oh my God, holy smokes, amazing. You know, everything comes with a varying degree of quality. And when we analyze quality in TV shows, 
you got to look at the range of things that are available to us. I mean, you have Breaking Bad on one side and you have Kevin Sorbo's Hercules legendary adventures on the other, which I'm currently rewatching. I can't believe how much fun I'm actually having with it because there's different sets of expectations when you're coming into a campy, catchy, stupid, fun kind of show that it still has a heart. And then you look at something which is Andor, which tries to pitch itself as something that is highly political and narrative and subtext, you know, and then layered, you know, character interactions. You come with a different set of expectations. Now we're going to talk about the Mandalorian show as well. It all depends on A, your personal bias, B, the actual technical execution of the show, writing, camera work, you know, actor performance and so forth. And then you kind of derive from all of that as a fan and you tell yourself, well, you know what? This might be lacking on a technical aspect, but I like it. Or this is absolutely stellar, amazing show, but it's just I'm not vibing with it. It doesn't click with the type of storyline that I'm interested in Star Wars. So I think the best way to navigate all of that, I don't know if I'm answering the question or not. You are, very great. Well, great. You're making a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's all depends how you arrive at it. And I think when we will touch upon the Mandalorian show, I, I had certain expectations from it. And those expectations were not based on what I personally want from it. It's solely based on what you're showing me, what are you marketing, what the trailers look like, who's attached to the project. You know, you have to be realistic about it. You can't expect Stanley Kubrick level of directing from, I don't know, Rebels Episode 3 or something like that. It just doesn't make any <laughs> sense, right? As an adult, you have to tell yourself, what am I looking for? What is the show is going to present? So overall, I'm happy we have Disney+. Plus. I'm happy we have streaming era of Star Wars shows, give or take. You know, a couple of shows I loved, a couple of shows that are mediocrity. I'm going to forget about them tomorrow as soon as we get off air. So what? Overall, I'm enjoying it. I'm here along for the ride. The Disney Star Wars has not slighted me wrongly to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm canceling Disney Plus. Goodbye, you know? Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Brilliant. Yeah. So we'll delve straight on in because I, I agree with a lot of the things you've said there. Um, but it, I'm glad that, you know, even as yourself who is critical, it's like it's fine to be critical and some shows give them yeah. fair uh, fair thoughts it, it's it's a very balanced perspective and that's what myself and andy share in a lot of ways yeah. as well and that's exactly what we talked about before you showed up yeah, so exactly perfect 100%. it's like you've been here the whole time um but <laughs> we delve right in so i personally did enjoy mandalorian series one uh sorry series three episode one i thought it was a, a good premiere episode you know nothing specifically wowed me but i said I liked a lot of the little things. It made me feel like, yes, I'm kind of entering in, you know, Star Wars. I've kind of walked through the gates in a way of a little thing and I've just stopped. And now I'm getting into episode two. So it's called The Minds of Mandalore. And this focuses a lot on Bo-Katan as well. And I th there's a lot of imagery with a dark saber. And I think things that have been linked with Book of Boba Fett as well that I think are very important here. Um, so we'll get straight on into it. It starts off with Peli Motto, and they sell. Uh, she sells R5D4 to Mandalorian. So that is a nostalgic thing. It's come for, you know, from Book of Boba Fett and uh, Mandalorian before, but a lot of us fans know it's from the original Star Wars, A New Hope, and it's the droid that smokes, and uh, then it means that R2 gets sold to 3PO. And then going even further than that, a story that a lot of people may not uh, enjoy is uh, in the Certain Point of View books, uh, that droid actually speaks to R2-D2 and R2-D2 basically convinces him, I've got this thing I need to do. Can you please do something about this? I need to stick with my friend, in essence. And so because of this droid's sacrifice, it's kind of come back into it. So different layers of Star Wars that you know kind of feel differently about this droid. So we'll start with you, Andy. R5-D4, the nostalgia trip, what do you think about that and any thoughts with P.I. Motto if you want to sprinkle them in? I think it was, um, I think it was 
a very sort of nice little moment, wasn't it? Um, obviously, we've seen him uh, in the last in the last season. Um, I just I loved how he sort of had this attitude of like, oh, I'm not going on this journey. I don't want to get sold. I don't want to go anywhere. Is it just it adds like I I stick with the thing like that. He's he's just a bit of a broken mess, you know. I love his that he's he's completely a flawed droid. We've seen him break before. We we do fear for him. Um, as soon as he sold the Mandalorian, you go, oh no, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to break again? Is something going to happen? Um, you know, is he is his motivator going to go? You know, so. I, it was it was kind of like a little sort of like oh bless him he actually gets to go on an adventure, but I hope he doesn't get destroyed or anything like that. So <laughs> I did I did I did quite enjoy it. Um, again, like his his refusal to move forward when he sort of like takes a little little roll back and she goes well hang on no you you've got to go. Um, I, I did I did enjoy it. I thought it was quite quite sweet. Um, he just needs a bit of a paint job, doesn't he? Why has she not painted him? We got know, kind of an oil a bit bath, of a touch got up, a little bit. It? A little bit of that after oil bath yeah. and suddenly all this paintwork looked a little bit better. It's like, was that yeah. an oil bath or was that like a, you've changed the whole shell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about uh, yourself, Ben? What do you think of R5-D4? Now, we're not jumping ahead to the Mando and your arrival. Just, we're we'll just, we're just, just about tiny the- little tease and then we'll, we'll dive straight on in just this little thing before <laughs> okay. I forget. R5-D4, it's a fun <laughs> little thing because if we get into all the other stuff, we're, we're going to forget the little guy. So right. what do you think about him? Uh, that kind of little low-level cameo kind of being in the show and what do you kind of think of like uh, Andy's opinion with uh, how he was presented? Well, first of all, you guys are going to drop me right to the bottom of Star Wars Experts. Because up to this point, I wasn't sure if he's exactly the one from A New Hope. So no nostalgic feelings attached. Uh, nice. <laughs> Maybe I didn't research it. I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's the same the su- looking model. It's in the subtitles. It's in the subtitle because I watch a lot of the Star Wars stuff with subtitles now, especially for name yeah. things. So it's really handy uh, for me. So I was like, oh, yeah, it definitely has been confirmed. So that's yeah. that's it, cheating. <laughs> you, you, you see how much me and subtitles are friends. Pretty yeah. much not. <laughs> right. right. But um, I'm very finicky when it comes to cameos because it's okay to kind of like stroke your nostalgia and say like oh look do you remember this i loved the one to bring another example of star wars in the solo show and like i'm wanted at 12 systems it was just a spot it's almost like a comedic line punchline. when it's timed really well a cameo can really amplify a scene and just get out of your way and you commence with a story in the case of this episode there's a couple of things the moment that they show a droid you think to yourself, okay, is this going to be a one kind of like off thing? We'll see him in this little scene. So the Pelimato gets to deliver her, her whimsical line and then he disappears? Or is there more utility to this character? Is he going to be exploited in the episode as we will further discuss? So I was kind of not irritated by it. I usually get irritated when cameos are there when the rest of your story, the rest of your blueprint, so to speak, of a show or, or a movie is lacking. And you have to heavily rely on as a crutch and like, oh, by the way, by the way, you know, we care about the fans. Let's put Ahsoka over here or let's put little R5 road over there because we care. That doesn't stick if you don't have a powerful scene, powerful moment, a comedic moment, which also touches you in some kind of like emotional level. In this particular scene, I loved Pelimoto in season one and two. In here... There's a great dissonance because um, I didn't get the chance to talk with you guys about the first episode. Let's discuss here what we have in front of us. Mm, Go ahead. From the visual standpoint, it is absolutely immaculate. 
I don't know what it is, whether it's John Favreau's writing style or whether how the director's episodes are communicating with one another, the way that the performance is delivered on screen and the lines being delivered, there is no tension, no anticipation, no interest whatsoever with me. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, all right. They got to go through the motions of being fun and interesting to the crowd. I don't know whether it's me getting old, advanced in my 41 years of age and being jaded or honestly just have a very clear, receptive mind because I'm open to all of it. I'm like, okay, just just feed me this episode. Let's see if it's better. I'm like, okay, all right. Oh, I'm ready to fall asleep. So it didn't work for me from that scene. In the scene, I just didn't mind, didn't like that the rest of the scene didn't kind of capture my uh, interest. Mm-hmm. I see. And Andy, Pilo Motto, what do you think of her? Um, in this scene or in general? Or are we talking Andy right now? I'll sorry. ask Andy first. With, uh, uh, just in, gem- in general as well, because Ben said he uh, you liked her in series one and two. Yeah. So what about you in series one and two, Andy? And then we'll... Yeah, she, she, I think... I think well, it, go, it kind of goes back to what I said about the, the first episode where, you know, the characters are here. We're, we're showing you these characters that you know again. It kind of felt a bit like that. Um, I think like I feel like she served her purpose when she built Mando's new starship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was sort of like a resounding, you know, finale for her character. Look, I know I know I'm a bit bit of a backwater mechanic, but look at this fantastic ship I've just created for you. It's almost like, in a way, the writers can't seem to figure out a way to end a character's arc. In a way, you know that. They, they found a reason for Mando to come yet again to Tatooine, mm. uh, magical place. We, lo- we love going there. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, again, similar to like Ben said, it's nothing against her as a performer. I think she's a really good performer. I think she does justice to what, what, she's, what she's given. She's got a great charisma with the droids that she has, you know, the, these these. CGI characters. She's got great charisma with the Jawas. I love Agreed. when she. I love when mm-hmm. she talks to the Jawas. I think it's it's spot on. Um, you know, if they're doing some voice modulation with her when she's speaking in in Jawa tongue, I don't know, but if it is just her normal dialogue with what's been written for her and she's speaking it, you know, from page, it's it's really well done. Great credit to her. Um, I just think, you know, I've I thought we wouldn't see her again after she built his starship. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I, f- I found it quite enjoyable watching, you know, the R droid, you know, being forced on this journey, I was kind of like, uh, she didn't really bring anything to the table. It could have been any, it, in reality, it could have been any droid from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Mando needs a droid companion. Um, it, it re- realistically, it could have been any droid from anywhere. He could have just picked up one from, anyone else rescued one from somewhere else i don't know yeah um do we need to see her again i'm guessing we probably will see her again if they're going to return the droid but i think she's going to be a regular <sighs> I, I yeah think that's probably and i th- i was in a similar camp to you i, I i've i haven't got anything against Peter i'm not going to agree everything with what you said about um amy sadaris acting and um i was like okay we're not going to see wando's ready to go on his journey he's going to yeah. get the he's going to i was like episode starts and you're like oh what's he going to do and it's like okay he's going to get the ig unit memory thing then he's going to go to mandalore and then i saw the episode title and it was like oh mine's a mandalore he's going to go straight there with ig 11 that was easy and quick and then i was like oh no wait it's not that we're doing another draw doing like a switcheroo and i was like oh yeah i was like tatooine again i was like i haven't got anything necessarily against pi motto um and i i understand why mando's story was kind of goes back to her because he trusts her but i'm like 
it is I was more annoyed with Tatooine. I was like, okay, I, I just can we have a little bit of time <laughs> away from the magical desert place? Uh, ben, what do you have to say uh, the rest about Pilai Motto and uh, Tatooine? Um, I sort of politely disagree with Andy. Um, I understand where you're coming from, Andy, because you sort of want to see a progression of character and you see sort of like a narrative finality and say like, well, okay, this character has been integrated into the story. They serve their purpose. What's next? Keep giving us. In her particular instance, I think the way that she was set up and please feel free to disagree. I feel that she's almost like your quest giver. She's almost like Sid in them. I assume you're also watching the Bad Batch uh, show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if we can kind of perceive the parallel to Sid, she's like, hey, you know, you're you're back in town on tattoo and I'll take care of you. Oh, now you need this or you know, you need this. You can't, you can't keep exploiting her because the nature of the performance, because the way that she projects herself, she's your comedic relief, honestly, in this show. Because, because besides her, yeah, there's some, uh, uh, how do you call it? Not swashbuckling, but um, slapstick humor involving Grogu. But mm. in general, he doesn't speak. So he doesn't, he can't deliver those funny punchlines. She can. It's her job to do it in this show. Yeah. So once again, her, her place, her, her you know, uh, spot where she fixes the ships, it's almost like a, a, a hub for, for Dinjarin. And I won't be surprised in season seven, he still comes back and maybe perhaps they can integrate her more and give her more challenging things to do. Let's say her workshop gets completely destroyed and she's out of a job and she's like scavenging on tattooing same way uh, Ray was on Jakku. You can keep evolving her in, in different ways. But maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe in this particular instance, this episode too, like we don't see them spinning it and making it interesting just yet. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'll I'll give you that one. Um, yeah, I just, I just feel like I don't know whether we've got multiple quest givers because it was the same thing in the first episode, wasn't it? it was Grief Karga going there, or oh, now you need to go and find the IG memory memory stick? You know, I've got some memory sticks here. Do you want? I'll, you can have one if you want. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I think it's that's it's a very it's a very minor gripe for me, but I don't know. I think, like I was saying to Mike before you came on, I'm I'm in like a, a weird sort of place where with this with this series, like I do kind of want forward you. thrust. I want forward momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, I do just worry that we we backtrack quite a lot. We we it is like playing an RPG game. Watching the show, we we go somewhere, we go great distances. And then we turn back and go to that place we were before to speak to the same person. Then, then we head out again and then we go a little bit further and then, then we turn back and we go mm-hmm. and see another person that we spoke to earlier. And then we double back onto that person before and then we head off a little bit further Zelda again. Wind Waker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do love that game, to be fair, but that is true. <laughs> that, that's just what it feels like to me. It feels like we're... For every two steps we take, we do take a little step back so that we don't go too far ahead and rush things, mm-hmm. which, you know, considering these episodes are what, only half an hour, 40 minutes, I think next week's is nearly an hour. Oh, really? You know, it, does, it, does sort of, it does sort of, oh, it gives me a little bit of like, okay, if you cut out a lot of this stuff, how long and how deep is actually the story? But again, that's just me delving really into the 
this this is this is the 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 angry Andy sort of. I'm thinking about the <laughs> fucking writing and getting so caught up in the writing and everything into it. Exactly what you said, Ben, when you first came on. Like, if you if you get in there, you you find issues. That, that's that's where I that's where I come asunder, like the Titanic. <laughs> and the issue, I think we all are to an extent. Yeah, it happens even with me with Obi Wan Kenobi. I, I do gen- really enjoy that show, but I found that really episode three and episode six have elements and moments in and scenes that I enjoy so much it outweighs the 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 mm. weaker elements of the show but I'm like if I'm not it's not the kind of thing I want to rewatch the whole thing again to experience I'm just kind of you know dop of those two main episodes mm. and so um sinking back into sort of Mandalore and uh, the Mandalorian and them going to Mandalore so this, it kind of starts off with R5 being useful and going out and getting sort of air pressure and then um, getting air pressure checking the atmosphere and you know Mando's got his pressurized helmet as well and leaves Grogu in the pod and goes to, off to find R5 and then they fight these creatures I think they're called the um, Alanites um, or something similar to that mm-hmm. and he fights that and then he uses the Darksaber and he's, you know, it's very heavy to him, as we saw in Bokoboba Fett. He hasn't quite mastered the blade. He's not really in tune with it. There's something kind of blocking him. He, there's something that's not quite jiving with him and the blade. And you see he's heavily using it, and he barely gets out of it. And then he gets captured by that robot crazy thing, which I think <laughs> the design of that cyborg thing is amazing. I loved that. So getting straight into it then, uh, Ben... With this, how the, the kind of the more I, I kind of got alien sort of vibes, those sort of things landing on a planet, darkness around, and then it kind of turning into a bit of action. How did you feel about this sort of part of the episode, sort of just before, kind of as he gets caught by the the robot thing, that sort of uh, third, I suppose. I was enamored with it visually, and uh, you very fairly brought aliens into it because it, it it's an obvious inspiration. You could see it in the shadows, in the camera work. I'm like, okay, cool, I see. And when uh, Grievous 2.0 shows up, uh, from this point forward, I will I will refer to that character. To me, he <laughs> is Grievous 2.0. Somehow Grievous survived. <laughs> Just amazing, amazing craftsmanship, amazing art. When you say like, oh, you know, like you, you have like a very extreme view of Disney. Everything that Disney does is, can you look at the picture? All right, the story is not there. We can have that discussion here on the side. Can you just recognize what's on the screen? Holy mm. crap, it's amazing. So that sort of gets you. But then, remember, I, I spoke earlier in the, in our conversation about it all depends what kind of viewer you are. So if you're sort of viewer like my good friend William, who loves prequel trilogy, he loves the originals, he is the type of Star Wars fan who's like, all right, when, when, when the X-Wings are flying by, when, when the next shootout is going to happen, when Han Solo is going to take out his blaster, if that's what you're looking for, which is totally fine for me, you'll get the most out of that scene. For me, again, the, it's overall the first and second episodes in Series 3 didn't work for me. But uh, I was sort of attached to the screen. I was saying, am I compelled enough to continue this episode? Because I can might as well just turn it off and go do something else. Because why sit down and talk about it for an hour with your buddies or go on your channel and review an episode spitting garbage about it if you're not enjoying it, right? Might might as well spend your time differently. I was glued enough to the screen to say like, bro, like, what's the next screen? What's the next shot? What are they going to do visually here? How is this robot is going to move? Like, is it all CG? How much of it is it practical? So your inner Star Wars nerddom were, was, they, they found that button. Like they punched mm-hmm. the Benjamin button. I was like, all right, let's keep watching. What about you, Andy? What are your thoughts on all that stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, visually, um, the whole devastation of Mandalore just looks absolutely superb. I, I, I think I, I think I lamented in my in my review for the first episode of of it that was like oh, I want I want to get to see what Mandalore's like. Is it going to be not what they think? Is there going to be you know people still alive there? Is there going to be breathable atmosphere? All of this, and for me, it was almost like you know you know the the opening start of Terminator Two, where it's just completely mm. utter darkness, devastation. The because. That's the that's the the way they put it across in in um, Mandalorian season two. We know where they when you see the K two S O droids coming through the fire and everything. Yeah, I think that that was in Mando two, wasn't it? I think it's Book of Boba Fett actually. Is I think it Book it's when of the Boba Armorer Fett? talks about it. Um, yes, the dark saber. Yes, another reason yes, people to watch Book of Boba Fett if they haven't already. Yeah, keep telling you people. get that you get those striking images of very Terminator two. You know the K two S O droids coming through the Tie Fighters, the Tie Bombers, all of that. And everyone the, the nuclear reference as well. Sorry, there's yeah. a Terminator. Sorry, continue. I didn't mean yeah. to. So with this, it was it's. I almost got like you know when the opening opening credits Terminator two Sarah Connor talking and Mando's there. Even when we see uh, later on the episode when uh, oh, well. well when another character comes later on, we see, you know, the very same thing, and they basically talk about like the ultra devastation, how you know the the thermo bombs, whatever they were, just ruined everything, and how beautiful everything looked beforehand. I think it was just fascinating to see how much devastation was absolutely wrought by the Empire. It wasn't just simply, you know, bombing a few cities; they glassed the planet, they nuked it from orbit aliens um and just beautiful in pure ultra ashen gray of nuclear warfare and then when we get into the darkness and we see that these there are creatures still alive we see this robot creature you know it's almost like a, a, a classic stop motion sensibility about the way the creature moved the, the mechanical creature moved the whole spider thing reminded me a bit of sort of like you know when when Darth Maul's created his spider legs and how sort of like hellish and all over the place it looks like it's been constructed like he's built them himself well yeah I got this same vibe from this creature it's like in amongst all this devastation it's managed to pull this leg from somewhere this bit of equipment from this bit you know it's, it's just bizarre it's like we, we haven't really seen something so horrifying looking, you know, Franken's, Frankenstein in Star Wars other than, you know, the, the animated Darth Maul. And so, Grievous. And Grievous, yeah, of course. But mm-hmm. Grievous was a bit too clean for me, even though yeah. it was hunched over and a bit... Ugh. The only part um, was the chest opening bit. That's the only part yeah, where you're like, oh, exactly. where's the, the close-up of the eye gunk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But other than that, Grievous was a bit too clean for me. I do like Grievous. I, I think I prefer him more in Clone Wars series than in the film, but... Um. Yeah, it was just, just how dark and depressing, and you know how ob- absolutely devastated the entire planet is that I just found utterly fascinating, and that's what I wanted to see. That's what I hoped we would see. We'd see like, even though there is still breathable atmosphere, there's still hope in a way for Mandalore. It is utterly devastated. Whether it can ever be rebuilt, who knows. Um. But yeah, the only thing I will say is when the when the fighting. I wanted the brightness up by about just about ten, you know, just, just turn it up a bit ten, just so I can see a bit more. When when they were fighting, it was a bit. It reminded me a bit of Kenobi. Um, I think when they were having the lightsaber duel and it was all dark and all you could see were the blaze. I was like, uh, I kind of want to see their faces. 
obviously you can't see Mando's face, but I kind of wanted to see exactly what he's doing, where he was struggling, like you said, with the dark saber, that great contrast of, you know, this black saber brilliantly haloed by this white light. It looked fabulous in the dark, but just a little bit more brighter. And it does fascinate me that he, he really struggles with the weight of the sword. It's almost like the burden is not his to carry that sword. It's somebody else's burden. It's very, very Arthurian. He's, mm-hmm. he's somehow got it from the stone, but it isn't his. Mm-hmm. He is not the king. So, yeah, fascinating for me. Really is fascinating. And I love that element. And we'll link in with, obviously, uh, the character comes through. People know by now these are spoiler chats because we're talking about the whole episode. But yes. what comes in <laughs> is Bo-Katan. Uh, you know, she's uh, she comes into this and, you know, you get Mando gets captured by that cyborg thing, which agree, I agree with everything you guys have said about it. I think it looks incredible. My only qualm is like, oh, it's gone. I hope that we get to see more. And that's not just the <laughs> only time we ever see anything like that. I want that to be like a big bad, maybe in the seasons coming, maybe there's like a factory that's like making these weird organic or maybe it's all part of one life form maybe it's like dirge mm-hmm. from legends you know we've dirges in the comics in some ways maybe it's connected to that in some way there's those creatures who knows i want mm-hmm. them to explore that more um but coming in with bo katan so one of the things i loved the most about this was he katie sackoff is brilliant but the action scenes i was like i know i like mando for its action scenes when done well i'm not only in it for the action scenes but i think a combination of Seeing Mandalore, as you uh, described it, Andy, very uh, beautifully, um, obviously beautifully ugly in a lot of ways, like an oxymoron, mm. it's it's amazing. I, I like the lore and I like the conversations that they have there and you get this feel of it. And being, you know, Clone Wars fans and things, we we know in animation what, the, what Mandalorian civilization looks like. And mm. then we get to see her pick up the blade and she uses it incredibly the difference between them using it is like when you see in uh, some of the prequels or more so like clone wars and things when you watch a master or like samurai films you watch a master do something and it's like da, 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 perfect and then the, the the apprentice tries to do it and he's like f- like over swinging and dropping and losing the weapon and that kind of thing and it was it kind of it was in the reverse and you're like amanda oh, only oh, just beat those guys amanda's a really good fighter and then you see bo katan you're like oh my god and like bo katan is just like so fluid with the blade and it's been that thing that obviously people who don't know about uh rebels and uh clone wars don't know th- the volume of what that blade means to her and mm. the, in these shots when you see that kind of thing it's like part of you is like well i love mando having the dark say because it's obviously very cool and you know is mando the mandalorian because he's going to become the, like the next leader of mandalore that's obviously a very common fan theory but like bo katan does have a lot of rights in a certain way to that and how did she lose this and it keeps feeding that question of how how did gideon get that what did happen we've got breadcrumbs in rebels but what happened she's still you know i thought when she picked up the dark saber might have been heavy for her but it wasn't and it was like okay so you're specifically trying to show that she is more adept with the blade they keep talking about mm. is people who want to leave mandalore so ben what are your sort of th- think uh, thoughts and things on bo katan the dark saber all that kind of stuff in the minds of moria <laughs> uh once again it's, it's striking it's beautiful uh um please forgive me for being a little bit jaded here if, if i I'm yeah, across no no go ahead uh, I, I mentioned about that timing is everything and uh very briefly if i may just to touch on the first episode is mm-hmm. what really rubbed me the wrong way is that you know when this season starts off is why are our Din Djarin and Grogu threading, the, jumping through the same exact hoops that they should have been in season one. There is no sense of progression. I need to be a Mandalorian. I need to prove myself. Yeah, dude, you were after the same goal in the first season. But here, 
to put, you know, add more salt to the wound is, no, but before I go and prove myself, I need to get a droid as well. Because we didn't have enough side missions and, you know, derailing episodes before. Let's add one more to the to the bunch. It's like, all right. So here, it's already a very tough sell where you're in the minds of Moria, Mandaloria, trying to go on the journey with this character, which it's his show. It's his journey. It's his adventure. And Bo-Katan is there ripping through the veils of, of, you know, jumping on screen. It's like, let me help you, kid. Let me instruct you. I'm here to save the freaking day. Because A, they pretty much well know how much receptive the audience is to the Clone War era material. We're all huge fans of the, the Clone War show. It's an instant sell. It's going to work. It's going to click with us, Star Wars simps. If I may, I say jokingly, guys, please don't take it seriously. Like, <gasps> bo plus, you know, please remind the actress's name, Kate. Um, Katie Sackhoff. Sackhoff. Yeah, yeah. This gorgeous looking woman. She kicks ass in this role. Nothing against her. But it's his stardom. His, it's his journey. And he almost feels like a tennis ball that's being bouncing from episode to episode without much relevant agency of his own. Let me lead you on here. And this is where... The next part I'd like to talk about, just one more minute. We have to separate between your personal bias and the quality of the show. I'm going to enter here this conversation with my personal bias. I came into this, into this whole Disney Star Wars acquisition as a giant Knights of the Old Republic fan. The comic books, the video games, the Tales of the Jedi comic books, the Karen Travis Mandalorians, which are incomparable. And I mean, it's no surprise she left the project because when her stuff was scrapped and we were introduced with this pacifist nation of that tried to also try to appeal to Legends fans during George Lucas's days by trying to make them warlike, but not really warlike. Pacifists, but with like crazy uh, 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 terrorist cult that lives on a nearby moon. It was like it didn't. I felt like it was somewhat directionless in the Clone Wars show. I eventually accepted it because you have to say, look, it's not what it was before. Let's stick to the program here. And eventually I came to love it in the Clone Wars show. But here, once again, we're doing the same repeating patterns with Din Djarin. And when Bo-Katan enters the scene, I just didn't care enough. I'm like, "Mm, I don't care about this version of Mandalore as much. Plus add to that the overall writing of the show. Plus, add to that, you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Plus, add to that to the fact that Din Djarin is not where he's supposed to be in terms of character progression or his mental state from season one. So it's a, it's a conglomeration of things which eventually makes you believe whether you're going to lean towards this episode or lean against it. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And when, when you know, when completely turn off your brain and say like, okay, Benjamin, this, this episode is not just made for you. And you start watching it completely detached yeah, some really good dialogue here. Really interesting writing. I really appreciate the fact that at least they give us little little crumbs from, from, from before. You know, when you hear something like Mandalore the Great, perhaps not me, but an, another fan will be like, oh my God, yes, they referenced it. Awesome. You know, they didn't forget about us. This is so sweet. I don't rely on that. That's not what interests me. I don't care what you're showing me. I don't care if it's canon or legends. I solely judge by the strength of the quality of the story. If it's something that I'm not used to, if it's not the version of Mandalore that I like, but the powerful story is there indeed, 
That's it. I can't say nothing about it. I'm going to say, wow, this is awesome. This was like a really awkward moment where I'm like, yes, we got to the good part in the episode. The whole thing with Pelimato is not there emotionally. Here, I'm like, couldn't we have the rest of the episode just like this with the same kind of delivery? It was a bittersweet experience. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about this is one thing I'm I'm a little bit annoyed at in this episode is yeah. when Din goes into the waters and he has that moment, you know, where he, he kind of starts saying the creed. I was like, I almost yeah. said it out loud, but I didn't want to. Um, and But I was like, I hope he actually gets to finish this and this can just be a nice emotional moment rather than it getting interrupted because like... It's such a yeah. trope where anyone does anything of significance in any mm-hmm. show. And it's like it's like the MCU does it a lot. And I love the MCU and a, a variety of MCU <clears> things. But it's like, it's like here's this really important thing. But we can't have a minute or two without a quip, action, or a lore dump. So here is about 15 seconds of him walking in and this emotional music. And you're really starting to feel it. And then something attacks him and pulls him under the water. And you're like, this is episode two of yes. Mandalorian. He's not in any danger. We know he's not. Okay, yeah. Bo-Katan saves him again. He, she already saved him. You know, yeah. if they, and it was like, I don't really care. And then they swam up and you saw it was a giant, I think, Mythosaur, which is, you know, the mythical being and is very popular in Legends and it's what his sigil is about and all this kind of other things, which is cool. But I'm like, what they should have done is had him going in there, doing his thing, and then him feel vibration of water, pull out, and you see the thing come out of the water yep. and then go back in. That would have been a nod to all the fans would have seen. That would have been like a really nice emotional moment for him and a meaning. And it wouldn't have been this just unnecessary action scene. Like and the problem is with serialized uh, episodes like uh, Mandalorian, and it's akin to a lot of the older sort of style of shows as well. Is the week by week thing is uh, a lot of the time main characters just will not nothing major happens to the main cast in like certain episodes. You know the middle season stuff doesn't really happen. If you have a mid series break, then it will happen just before the mid series break, just after, and then at the end. But the series finale is where all the big things happen. So Bo Katan and Mandalorian aren't in any real danger. So you've undercut a moment. So you've undercut a moment which is meant to be, you know, powerful and really could mean something. And you want to throw this mythosaur, uh, mythosaur thing in there. But you're just like, why have you done this in this way? This action, you've already had two sets of action with Mandalorian fighting these things and Bo-Katan. And you've undercut it yeah. with this action. And that really It was such an intimate, small scene. And it mm-hmm. would have worked much better if it was a small, intimate, intimate scene. And sometimes... You know, I question John Favreau's decision making here because less is more. Yes. Like, when are you going to learn? Yes. You don't wow fans with big CGI monsters. Like, how many freaking times have we seen it? People connect with something that a simple line of, you know, The Last Jedi, Mike, you know, it's my favorite Star Wars movie since, the, you know, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's the simple lines like, nobody's ever truly dead. I'm just saying this line gives me goosebumps. Because I connected it with a very real moments that I had in life. It's not these giant creatures that nobody's going to f- remember tomorrow. Like, it's it's yeah. a shame. I agree 100%. It's my biggest sort of turn off from the Marvel movies at the minute. Because mm-hmm. it's people are saying, characters are saying things in film to fill dead air. Because there's no weight behind what we're being shown or told in the writing. And my biggest thing is if you've got nothing important to say, your character shouldn't be saying anything at all. Because if the film is any good, if the writing's any good, the visuals, the acting, reactions will do all the work for you. 
And I feel like with with this with with this with the end of this episode, we were robbed of a very spiritual moment, not just for Din, but for Bo Katan as well, because when he's slowly immersing himself into the water and doing this the the the, the, the chant saying the saying the mm-hmm. words the camera sort of pulls toward her and like a slow like a very slow close up and you can see a shift in her opinion a shift in her thought process she sees how fundamental belief is key and important to some people and and that you do, we don't all have to be the same we can be these different people. We can be these different organizations within one civilization. We can all be one people with our different fundamental beliefs. You see that, but we're robbed of the poignant tipping point in favor of him. Does he get dragged down or does he fall? Because there's like when, when she dives in, there's, the steps are missing. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So yeah, I was a bit falls. confused when she yeah. dives in. I was like, well, is he did, he get, did he get pulled or down not, or did right? he just fall in? And his armor, the weight of his armor just pulled him right the way That's down. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. That's what I was a bit confused at, mm-hmm. which kind of is even worse if it was an accident because then he's a bumbling idiot and didn't watch his footing. You know what I mean? Which that kind of made me even... because when, when he got pulled down, I went, oh, here we go. We're, we're doing the a New Hope. Creatures pulled him under the water thing mm-hmm. and she's going to dive in and save him. I thought that. Yep, she's diving in and saving him. But then when we got down to the bottom, she rescues him with ease and pulls him up. There was no it's other like creatures there. The Mythosaur was asleep. So it wasn't the Mythosaur pulled him under. So what was it? He's fallen in. He's fell in. Yeah. He's missed a step and fell in the pool at the deep end. <laughs> the silly bastard. <laughs> Which is even worse for me because you've, you've robbed a very poignant spiritual moment just after she's read that tablet and lamented it thinking, Oh, this is all joke. This is all rubbish. I was here. There's nothing here. Yeah. Okay. She does dive in and see the Mythosaur, but you could have had it where he's completed. He's completed that. He turns around, steps up, puts all his gear back on. And she's, you could have had it where she's completely awestruck, you know, Mm -hmm. still a bit sort of like, why, what is the point in this? But then she sees the Mythosaur from the distance. He doesn't see it. She sees it. You know, in in amongst all that blackness, that devastation, everything in the mm-hmm. dark that you can't see, she sees it. She knows what it is. There you go. You've got exactly the same moment you had without the needless action beats that were just in there to make you go, oh, for no reason. Like you said, that we know they're not going to be in danger from, then we know they're not going to struggle. We know they're going to be perfectly fine. It's just... Like we've said, less is more. You could have done so much more by having him have this completed, full religious journey. Because he, when he when he gets up from you know falling in, he's not actually completed what he was trying to do. He fell in mid sentence. So is he going to do it again, That's or are we just going to move on? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I will be interrupted. we're just going to move on. I imagine they will. I would not be surprised if the next scene is them landing with the armorer and they're saying, that that for me is, is even fucking worse than, I hope not. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, you got, you, this is, this is like, like, like Ben said, this is his journey. He's almost become like a, you know, a side character in his own show. You know, I, I, I really do believe that possibly the whole thing with Grogu going to Luke was two seasons too early. Because we don't have an onward journey for Din Djarin. We don't have an onward journey for Grogu, really. They are just facsimiles. They're, they're, they're people in other people's quests, <laughs> people in other people's massive journeys. The Darksaber's not Din's. 
he he's going to hand it over. He's going to do something that because the dark has always been taken by force, hasn't it? Well, he's going to hand that over. I'm going to tell you now. He's going to bend the knee and hand that hand that dark saber over, and there's going to be a change in Mandalorian culture. But, it almost feels like the entire show, all three seasons, are a scrapbook of ideas, and some of them are really nice. They land yeah. really well. Yeah. Particular scenes, particular episodes, are really, really strong stuff. And I think it irks all three of us. I'm going to speak for all three of us when you know you you wanted a, a well thought out show that has a sense of progression and it's not 15 but four seasons long perhaps but it so gives you so much like the rebels ended on such a high note it didn't have any noteworthy fillers to talk about or detractions that it, it remains a very focused narrative but here in this instance it's it's almost like john favreau and the gang are like throwing ideas on the screen just to see what sticks it, uh, to this day to me Grogu has no place in the show whatsoever. He's not any sort of anchor at all. I never believed their father and son relationship at all. You're showing me a merc who agrees immediately without, without rhyme or reason to take on this kid, save him, and, and call him your child? Like, what are you talking about? And then throughout all three seasons so far, we see what kind of a hack job as a father he's doing. He's sending this kid to this mentor who discards him, sends him back in the middle of tribal <laughs> war. On television. like, who is thinking up these ideas? Like, are you? What are you talking about? Is this high schoolers like trying to pitch their favorite Star Wars fanfics to the to the Disney Plus, and they're like, just oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. Let's produce this. This could be an episode in the Mandalorian. It almost feels like, in all seriousness, as an anthology. Some ideas are good, some are not. For mm. me, I immediately lose interest. Look, Mike knows this very well from me. I will still dedicate myself to current canon Star Wars comic books. But the reason that I primarily lost interest is when you're not leading me anywhere for a certain period of time, I don't care how it gets later on. I don't care how good it is. That's it. You lost me. When Luke and, and Vader see each other for 25 times before the Empire Strikes Back, I gave up. I'm like, okay, that's, that's probably not for me. Yeah. I will say that there are uh, the, the main run of Star Wars comics um, is arguably, I'd say, of the new canon, some of the weaker of the uh, mm. ongoing comic series. They're all about the Vader stuff, all about the Vader comics, guys. <laughs> Vader comics and Doctor Afro comics, they're the cool ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, with this, uh, with Mandalorian as well, one thing that John Favreau said, um, <laughs> which I. I don't Excuse usually me. pay attention uh, to what any of the kind of people normally say about um, how long shows are going to be or when they are going to finish it, things like that. I try and avoid that where I can. But John Favreau says, oh, yeah, we don't necessarily have an ending sorted out for Mandalorian. We don't really know how long it's going to go on for. And it's like, OK, so you're basically saying you're going to do this forever <laughs> until you're going to probably do this for, until someone declares that you should stop it or you get bored and decide to do something else. So it's like, this yeah. is going to be the spring load. This is going to be, okay, every year, we everyone gets a season of Mandalorian and most people are going to watch it and it's going to be all right to pretty good for the most part and there's going to be a few interesting characters in there and then what's going to happen is if you get interested by those characters, there'll be a Bo-Katan spin-off show and you get a whole history and all that stuff and all the stuff from Rebels get compacted into one nice little episode in live action and then we'll go off with that and you'll see all the stuff that she's doing which is not in the episodes <laughs> of Mandalorian and then we'll do the same with a lot of other characters. We're going to, you know, Ahsoka's doing it and obviously Ahsoka was in uh, animation before but that's happening there. There's other shows in the works. There's a skeleton crew which sounds really cool and I'm excited about that but it's going to be it's going to probably 
tie in with Mando at some point. If it's set in the same era, if it's set at the same time, it's going to tie in with Mando. They're going to do it eventually. So at some point, Jude Law is going to make some sort of quip about Grogu. That's that's an inevitability, it seems. And I'm just like... Conveyor <laughs> belt. Yeah, and it's like, I'm yeah. fine if the content is good. Like, I'm yep. fine. Like, Kenobi was fine for me. I'm happy with that. Do I want another <laughs> season? Probably not. Will I watch another season? Yes. And there's probably going to be a couple of really amazing moments in there that I'm going to be like, I love those moments. But it's going to be lots of stuff that was unnecessary to get to a moment that realistically, one of Megan's criticisms of Kenobi was it has done basically nothing to any yep. of the characters except just uh, adjustments of dialogue. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, now things are slightly more streamlined in a very minor way and as much as i enjoyed the thing in kenobi there's no tension in kenobi and the problem is with mandalorian because the main character is like oh we don't know we're gonna end it it's like well then they're going to be fucking immortal aren't they they're gonna live forever they're gonna somehow get to the sequel trilogy days and they're gonna be in the background helping that it's gonna do an extended version of rise of skull and you're gonna see the mando's ship at that time in the background like i'm being yeah i'm going over the top of things for that but it's it's one of those things that bothered me and i'm like I want. Yeah. I like it when it's like they go. Here is a story. They've done it with Andor. Mm-hmm. You feel from Andor, from episode one to the final episode twelve, a every single thread is put together exactly. It's a vision. They said that with Kenobi, and although Kenobi has its faults, it didn't feel like it was necessarily going off in lots of different directions. With Kenobi's story, it was some of the side parts that kind of felt, you know, the the, the padding in a sense that could have been the movie kind of needed yeah. to be extended. It wasn't mm-hmm. the main sort of story. With Mando, it's like, well. We got some Mando stuff to do. Um, we've kind of done the Grogu stuff. You know that last season where you thought you're going to have some time with Mando to really see him go dark, like a, da- a dark path, or figure his way out his way with the Mandalorians. No, we're literally going to just in essentially bonus content. We're going to put a whole story in there of him getting Grogu back in two episodes, and then he's just back, and then it's just fine. And you're like, I thought this was going to have serious ramifications to both of the characters. Yep. I thought Grogu was going to go away and become so torn with Mando and he kind of flirts with the dark side of the Force a little bit more, but also becoming more powerful in some ways. Or maybe he does the opposite and he wants to stop Mando from being as violent and things. There could have been ways for these characters to go apart and come back. That's why you separate characters. So they can yep. grow in certain directions and when they return, they make Not each other grow. to bring them back two episodes later. Yeah, and he's like, oh, Grogu going away uh, meant nothing. Uh, Mando took his helmet off and now we kind of have to fix that. So that's series three done. Um, so series four, we'll probably start to get into Mando stuff. Uh, but by then the Ahsoka show will have had something cool in there so we're probably going to have him pop up there as well so he's actually not going to do anything until series five because we need to prepare for series four to make sure we don't do too much for the ahsoka show and it's like i i I think the show comes out before anyway but all of these things i'm being you know over the top on purpose but this is a concern of i i want it I, makes I want sense, it to be, though. It wanted to be, <laughs> it yeah. And, and in a boardroom meeting of people who do enjoy Star Wars, I believe Kathleen Kennedy and everyone involved with Star Wars, I do not believe any of them are trying to destroy Star Wars. I just think they've made a couple of poor, poor decisions either by not thinking right or thinking the wrong things, and they've inadvertently caused some damage to a franchise. And now everyone, and now they're under even more pressure because of the errors they've made, and yeah. so things happening. So they they're panicking and they're like, okay, right, we've got these things great, Andor's going fun, but Mandalorian, we need Grogu back. We need yeah. him back. We can't. We've tested it. We they might have done some thing where they just, you know, vaguely internet tested. Look, what's people's reactions to Grogu and Mando being separate? A lot of people more sad emojis than happy ones. Or then we probably need to, you know, bring him back rather than going. The story's going to be X Y Z. They're like, let's be yeah. rea- reactionary, which is one of the issues with the sequel trilogy. Mike, That's I wanted to very quickly add something. There. Please do, because I will talk forever. You know, the, <laughs> what, what you describe as over the top. I have this gut feeling that it's unfortunately becoming a reality where I, I agree. absolutely agree with you. Nobody acts on bad faith here. I, I will never agree with any extreme side of the argument here. No. Everybody's 
in the business and movie making is the business as it was always for George Lucas and as it is for Kessler Kennedy, everybody else making good product that everybody loves and connects with on the spiritual level. It's good business for everyone because why people are going to come back for more. But the thing is, I feel like Star Wars is inadvertently is becoming Disneyfied, what we all have been afraid of, where it's buckling under the weight of its own hype. I mean, it's a global phenomenon. And in, in a quest to fulfill everybody's expectations, they try different things which feel lifeless, mechanical, and I'm going to sound cliche here, on demand. You push a button and here's more Star Wars up to your neck. And just when you're about to give up and wash your hands of, of Star Wars, a spark of imagination comes in and boom, Andor arrives and just smacks you right in the head. And once again, I love doing that. I love to extract myself from my own angle and try to see it from a different perspective. And what and, uh, uh, Andor is for me, Kenobi is for Mr. Mike over here. That's his special candy when it comes to you know disney stars that's his stroke of genius who am i to say otherwise because once again we all connect to storytelling from shakespeare to you know alan dean foster we connect with things on a such different personal level on one side you want to get upset about it oh star wars is not what it used to be like uh, it kind of is <laughs> like because there's still yeah. tons of stuff to enjoy what about you, Andy? What do you think about all my rantings? <laughs> Anything to no, add? I, I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I don't believe any of this, you know, these, these hardened, because I, 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 I follow like a lot of reactions and opinions the across, tribe, across, yeah. yeah, across, across like the YouTube verses. I'm, I'm sure Ben does as well and, and yourself, Mike. So I, I don't, I don't subscribe to any of these, these yeah. fucking extreme, like, oh, Kathleen Kennedy's doing it on purpose. She's trying oh, to yeah. kill us all. I don't, I don't believe it. I think it is a case of like maybe they did churn out too much too soon. I mean, we, we can we can look at it based on what we've heard this week. You know, Rogue One, uh, Rogue One, Rogue Squadron gone. It's been shelved permanently. Not sure. Kevin Feige's movie gone, shelved permanently. Not sure. Possibly, very likely. Uh, Taika Waititi's still still being planned. Are they going to announce something at Star Wars Celebration? Mike, you're going to be there. I hope they do for you. I hope they do for all of us. It does seem like they've taken the foot off the gas in terms of churning out movies because they, you know, they slammed the brakes on as soon as Rise of Skywalker came out and quite frankly flopped. You know, they slammed the brakes and I went, holy shit, what have we done? We have made a mistake here. We need to reconsider. We need to think. And I think purely based on sort of like the up and down reaction to you know, Book of Boba Fett, um, you know, Bad Batch being received so well, um, Kenobi up and down again, you know, they, they, there must be sort of like thought process of like, well, fucking hell, how do we get this right? What do we need to do to get this right? And I think that's probably mm -hmm. why Rogue Squadron, sadly, I was really looking forward to Rogue Squadron. I've been wanting, you know, like, you know, a focus on space combat and things like that, because we saw in Rogue One how well it can be done if it's done right, if yeah. the attention to the characters are done right. You know, if we if we truly invest in some pilots, we've seen it with Top Gun Maverick. Who would have thought Top Gun Maverick last year? 
everybody thought, oh, you know, oh, it's a sequel to an 80s movie. You know, is it going to do well? Jesus, it was the best film last year, you know, in terms of money until Avatar came out. You know, and it was critically acclaimed. If they could have done anything in the same vein as that, what could Rogue Squadron have been? You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's sad in, in in that term. But they, in order to cancel that, they must be really sort of thinking, considering across across, you know, everything. What is going to work? How is it going to work? Which is what surprised me even more that Rogue Squadron was cancelled because you would have thought they'd go Top Gun Maverick just did really well. How do we? pivot that into a star wars sort of mm-hmm. setting we've got rogue squadron here beloved beloved name how do we make it work but no they've just gone nah shit can shit can it completely it's gone mm-hmm. it does just make me wonder what the thought process is where they're going what they're doing and by the sheer fact that you said like there's no end plan for the mandalorian that harkens into what I said before about like he's the, are they are they just gonna travel around the galaxy and you know well travel around this local star system <laughs> in the mid to outer rim you know go across get a quest from Tatooine get a quest from Grief Karga meet some other people do this do that go to Mandalore again how's Bogotan doing re- uh, at the moment oh she's all right they planted the tree on Mandalore great let's move on um, are they just gonna keep doing that? and retread and retread until it burns itself out or Grogu's not cute anymore. What are they going to do to keep him cute? Capitalism is the driving force, man. It's, yeah. it's unfortunately, on one side, right, you have the creative aspect of it. On the other one, you have no other option than to keep expanding and getting bigger because yep. money is at play here. And when you observe the work on even the most talented filmmakers ever, Eventually, mm. they have their pitfalls because money is involved. The script was rushed. You know, third yeah. and tenth reasoning, whatever. Mm. I, I do, I do, and this, this that factors into <laughs> my my thoughts on what the finale of this season is. Mm. How, how do they merchandise something from this? Right, okay, so we can't have Jedi. We can't have Jedi Grogu because he's left Luke. We're going to have Mandalorian armor, Baby Yoda, Baby Grogu. Mm-hmm. He is going. It's it's going to be. I, I just thinking in terms of what we've seen so far, even in this episode um, and the first episode, we're going to have a mirroring effect. We saw a child be baptized in the waters. We're going to see another child get baptized in the waters. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a helmet created by the armorer because Din's got his got his is is you know his creed back. You know. They're gonna they're gonna bring him in, aren't they? And it it will sell. We'll we'll see action figures. We'll see toys. We'll see um, Funko pops. Yeah, exactly. We'll see lovely cuddly toys of Mando armor, Grogu, and it's it's gonna be wonderful. And I'll buy it up just like everybody else. Um, <laughs> it's it's like where if that, if that happens, well, where do we go from then? If this is never ending, where do we go from then? Where's the forward drive? Where's the full momentum? Where is the story? Where mm-hmm. is the 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 interesting narrative? How do you make it interesting? Because <laughs> that again, that sounds like a bookend. We've 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 finished. If he does get Mandalorian armor at the end, well, no, because it's going to carry on. Well, who's it going to carry on for? Who who is the series for if they're not mm-hmm. the central characters? It's, it just it, it baffles me a bit and yes I did like this episode I, I, I liked it but then at the same time I still have these undercurrent of <sighs> questions that just aren't sitting right for me um, 
and it's not a fault on the series. It's not a fault on, you know, it's not necessarily a product of, of and or inflicting on my brain. I think it's just a case of like, you had a wonderful opportunity end of series two and you squandered it. You, you ended it and then you slapped it on a lunchbox and you, you, you're selling it and you're selling it and you're selling it. Um, there's my Ian Malcolm impression, you know, uh, it's just making me feel a bit cynical, really. Hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's understandable. It's, it's one of those things that as much as like, I love star Wars, I love getting more star Wars, Yeah, but it, and there's, as Ben said earlier on this conversation, there's loads of great Star Wars content. The High Republic, as people may be able to see behind me, I've got all the High Republic books, all mm-hmm. the illustrated ones. I've got everything to do with High Republic. There's more than printed. I thought. That, there's a lot more there than I thought. I've there's got not, two. That's I think I've got all, the main series, the two novels. Yeah, that's the, the two. Uh, oh God, I've, it's not mirrored, so it's harder for me when I look at the camera. These two are, uh, that's uh, Rising Storm and Fallen Star, like the Jedi's downstairs because mm. Megan's reading it. Then there's the three YA novels, the junior novels, and then the blue ones are Phase Two. And then that's a, um. it. This is Chronicles of the Jedi, um, which is basically the High Republic from the perspective of the Jedi, like it's a guidebook to mm. the events of what's happened so far. And then that's the art book. Here's, a, here's a question for you. Yeah. Based on that, um, do you hope? Well, do you want to see? anything live action in in the form of um, the high republic or do you want them to steer clear for fear of diluting in 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 a similar way to what we're what we're seeing here Mm. Are are you do you want them to stay away from it you want to keep it in in book form to sort of keep that allure of mystery Mm. um because i I read the first book i've I've got this the second one i can't remember what it's called the rising storm Rising Storm, that's it. I've got that. I've not started it yet. But reading it, I was like, oh, it would look lovely. I think, you know, seeing some of the, the, the Jedi garb, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the different quality of lightsabers, you know, how clean and pristine they probably look just from just from reading it, you know, my imagination firing because, as you know, I, I, I love lightsabers. I would probably buy them all if they started releasing them. But at the same time, I was like, oh, God, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this live. I want to keep this in here because I have concerns that you would dilute it or that it wouldn't translate well and therefore you'd undermine everything that would happen. I, I, I'm not going to be a, a completionist with the High Republic, but in terms of, you know, what limited, you know, I've, I've been able to read, I want to keep, I, I, I don't want to see it. Old Republic, you know, thousands of years before, possibly, you know, pre-old Republic, to be quite honest, like a long time ago. <laughs> there we go, a long time ago in in that galaxy far, far away. Um, but High Republic, I'm, oof, I'm not sure. What What are your thoughts? I I want them to finish that they're going to. So I want them to finish the books and stuff and have what I describe what I describe the films as is pillars of big galactic events. That's mm-hmm. why, although I do enjoy Solo and every watch of Solo, I enjoy it more than I did. Um, I think it's quite a flat movie. There's not a huge amount of peaks and bounds. I think it worked really well as a series. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, and Rogue One does work as a movie, but equally that could have worked kind of as a series as well. Obviously, and was kind of uh, the between mile for that. But with with movie is big galactic events. You know, each one is indicating some major turn in the galactic history. You know, even if the events don't seem very big, finding yeah. Anakin Skywalker and Phantom Menace is arguably the biggest moment in galactic history. So it's like it's these weird little things that yeah. 
the film should be. So I want on the High Republic to f- to do that era. They've said that they've got plans when the High Republic is over. Fear not, High Republic fans. They're developing something else, which no one's speaking about. What I expect that's going to be is an era that's not in Legends, to my knowledge. Uh, it might be is just the Young Republic. I think is like a a banner that I'd say because that could be from when the Sith Wars, uh, Sith and Jedi Wars end. You know, thousand years ago, mm. whatever, from the Skywalker Saga up to where the High Republic is, because the High Republic's gone back 200 years before the Skywalker Saga, then another 150 years before that. I think the years before, between the the Sith Wars and High Republic, on that to be books as well. Before that, with actual Sith stuff, that's what I want to be on uh, the screen. They are doing an animated series for the High Republic. Um, It's really, really kid-friendly. So I don't know how that's going to be. But I'm going to watch it anyway. But we'll see how kid-friendly it is, if it's more Rebels kind of stuff, or if it's actually like really young. But live-action... Once the books are out, once all of the publishing stuff have done the stories they want to do, I would be happy for them either to do a series about a peripheral background character that we barely know, that just happens to be most of these big events that we see in the High Republic, that I won't spoil for you, Andy, but because of the scale of them, you have the capacity that every bit of media content is basically a different uh, perspective of certain events that happen in the High Republic. So you have the, the wiggle room to just be like, here's a character. Oh, if you look in the comic, there's a background, there's a random species in the background that's unnamed. That's the character. You you could see it in very bits and pieces, or they've mentioned their name is mentioned like once or twice in the books, or a completely new character. But I don't I don't think I necessarily would want an adaptation mm. because then it's like, why would anyone bother picking up the books? If you do a yes. book of a series or something like that and you can expand on it like they've been doing with the canon novels that makes sense to me but if you're gonna do it and i've been lazy with this with other stuff that's been coming out on live action stuff i'm like why why would i spend you know eight to 14 hours reading a book if i can spend two hours watching a movie um ben i wonder as a big legends fan i know we're starting to wrap up and we go on a big tangent here but as, <laughs> as a big legends fan i want to know with you both of the high republic and with a lot of the content you've consumed from legends what's your opinion of it going live action and, and on screen what, what are your thoughts on that so I want to offer you guys the way I filter it, the way I look at it. I can absolutely sympathize with Andy when he says, look, the books are seem to be such an interesting chunk of this universe that it's carving its own pathway and also its, its own niche audience. I don't want it to be diluted by what's in the films. And you, Mike, mentioned that the movies are sort of in a way for you are the major pillars and everything else sort of bounces off from that. When I started reading in the late 90s and kept progressing and progressing, I still haven't read full legend set of books. I'm over halfway, maybe like 60% through. I started realizing, and I was never a fan who was solely attached to Skywalker name or Skywalker bloodline. To me, the appeal was that Luke, not as a Skywalker, but as a village bumpkin who achieved became a hero, and I was interested in where his journeys go past the films. So here is an alternative way of looking at it. Movies are just windows. They're glimpses at this vast, vast universe because my philosophy is you can take an archetype like Han Solo, Leia, Luke Skywalker, Lando Calrissian, and you can translate into a different character take a different age for public publishing like 2000 you know 23 is much different from 1998 and you can speak with a modern voice and kind of like reignite that that heroic legend the star wars motif over and over and over again into freaking infinity and to be honest with you 
I am enjoying the High Republic. I partake, just like you. I have all of those books. I just don't have enough space to show them all <laughs> off. But when, when trust me when I say this, guys, Mike, I can't wait to, to speak to you when you're going to get to and finish the New Jedi Order, which I'm currently breaking down with Meg. When you have 19 books of very, very focused, and it's hours upon hours of entertainment, and it's so freaking book without misfiring once, at least to me, it's so powerful and it's so profound and it stayed with me 20 years over that now, I've, and I haven't read these books ever since. I have not reread them and I talk about them with Meg. I start remembering, like the, this cognitive process happens and I start remembering these scenes like it was a dream, like it was real, like it's a real myth. And I'm like, holy shit, it had this much impact on me. So in answer to Andy, I would say if the High Republic literature holds on its own and it is continues to be exciting and invigorating and full of ideas no amount of lukewarm video games or half-assed tv shows are going to scrap that at mm. least this is my angle i i think not there's no more profound interaction with the story than through a book a text yeah. that you personify you absorb you make it yours when i was reading star wars as a kid as a teenager you know in 1998 I didn't have the good English to understand at least 40% of the book. So what I had to do, I had to kind of fill the gaps with my imagination and try to figure out what Talon Cardi, the smuggler, looks like, or what Mara Jade's personality is like, or what this combat scene represents. In a way, I, I made it my own through my lack of understanding English language. So in a sense, I, I feel like the High Republic or the, the Star Wars adult books in their current canon are spearheading that spirit of innovation. They are, to me, the benchmark. So I never get upset. You know, if I get a Mandalorian show, which is like, ah, whatever, or the, the sequel trilogy, which I was really on board until the, the, you know, the Rise of Skywalker is like scratching my head. I'm like, you know what? Who cares? The books are so freaking good to me. I'm all right with that. Just keep, keep working on it. Maybe it will take 20 years like it took for the X-Men series to have it magnum opus Logan mm. movie come out and blow everybody away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things. I, I think with the movies, I think what they're likely to do, and if I was the head of Lucasfilm, if I was Kathleen Kennedy, what I would be doing is I'd say top priority is a trilogy minimum of mm -hmm. Old Republic it's going to be, you know, PG-13, but really pushing that PG-13 sort of uh, mark, kind of like Andor was in a lot of respects, you know, and have it to do with the Sith Wars, you know, the Jedi mm. and Sith Wars. If Legends fans know about it. Let's put our own spin on it. Let's, you know, if we're going to use characters, we want to do something, you know, interesting with them. We want to just not carbon copy stuff, but we want to put our own spin. We want to add things that actually add value and whatnot. And just make a trilogy, make it really good, make it one director who does all three of them big, like five, six, seven, eight year project or 10 year. And we say, look, we're going to give you an un a stupid amount of money, but you make the next trilogy. You put everything into this. You do it Peter Jackson style of Lord of the Rings. You do it they, um, James Cameron style with Avatar 2, 3, 4, whatever. You yep. give someone time, resources to work it all out. 
and figure out what they generally want to do and then let them choose who they want to incorporate in the project to help them tweak things but they're the through driving force you do that and you do that with the jedi and sith wars you create something with the maturity of andor but you can have the odd mm-hmm. little character like a grogu-esque character i'm not saying like that but have a cutesy droid everyone loves a droid they're not too cute mm-hmm. so they won't wind people up k2so works perfectly in rogue one have mm-hmm. a character like that uh be to uh emo you know he works great in andor have a a droid character and a serious motif going through have dark side stuff coming through use some of this technology you have to make it so that you can have effects happening to people that are brutal and gory when nemec gets crushed by that uh the money thing in andor that crunch that you yeah, get horrific that is what you need you do that with darth bane or someone like that using the force on someone and then slamming into a wall you don't need to see them explode with blood everywhere you mm. know they're dead you know that's that that's what andor was doing very well you've got yeah. blasters for killing you've got light skillful filmmaking exactly mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. use yeah. that to make it so you can make something that's accessible but also is going to make people who are adults the paying public you want to appeal to kids because things stay with them but if you can make it so the adults are accessible it's accessible for them people will also grow into it and that's what i think andor's doing that's what rogue yeah. one's doing and that's what i want them to do with the film if i had ultimate choice leave skywalker alone and then when those films come out then you can go cool Here's some comic lines that tie in. Here's some books that tie in. Maybe there's a live action series that's, you know, connected in some way. But we've done this thing. We've created this universe. And this guy or this has to be a a male, any person who creates this thing, they just put it together. And then if you want to add more content to it, you can do that. That's what I kind of think. Um, But with that big, massive thing, it is getting late. So final thoughts, friends, and then we'll give plugs and then we will sign off for this. What was a Mandalorian show? And you guys got me ranting and all passionate about stuff. <laughs> we all did a bit of it because we were all, we're all passionate in our own ways. We all release a lot of content to do with Star Wars uh, and things. So, Andy, is there any sort of final things you want to say either about the Minds of Mandalore, any sort of subject we haven't yet touched on this? Um, and then, yeah. I think it was a better episode um, than the than the premiere. Um, visually stunning, visually incredible. Questions still remain and more were posited for me um by what we see in this a few moments like we said um completely undone by unnecessary you know things happening towards the end um the questions override for me um the concerns about the journey overall um do take precedent unfortunately as they often do with me i i'm forward thinking you know, all the time, like, what's the purpose? What's the reason? What's the meaning? I can see things off in the distance that may come to fruition. You know, obviously, I won't be upset if they don't, but it's it's what the goal is. Where is the goal? What's the journey? That's what I'm questioning. That's what I'm thinking. Um, overall, yeah, it's, it's a 6 out of 10 episode for me. Nothing groundbreaking, nothing truly mega exciting. The action was, was okay. The creature... The mechanical creature was great. Really love that. I think that's what sort of pushed me up um, alongside the visuals for Mandalore, you know, from my previous episode. Um, but yeah, it's still still a bit middling for me, unfortunately. But we'll we'll see what happens um, going forward. I guess. Nice, Ben. Final thoughts on everything we've discussed. I'll end with a more philosophical, old wise Ben Kenobi sort of kind of way. Uh, look, nothing is guaranteed in life and, you know, not to like blow my own horn, but, you know, being 
in the industry, speaking with the insiders, you know, having formal BA education in animation and film. There's so many moving pieces behind all the politics aside, all of the corporate, we talked about capitalist kind of like approach to filmmaking and the business aspect of it. It's just so tough to make a movie that not just pleases or excites, but let alone it just feels like a finished product. It's an insanely arduous, you know, task. For me, at the end of the day, I'm just happy there is Star Wars that I know my friends are excited about. I'm looking at this episode, which doesn't work for me. It feels goofy. Yes, I might feel like snotty Shakespeare Benjamin who understands writing and script and cinema, you know, method acting, <laughs> you know. But like at the end of the day, it gives somebody joy. Like I don't understand people my generation, 40-year-olds, who bicker with one another over Twitter where the sequel trilogy will last another 20 years of, or fade into the dust. Who cares? There's six-year-old kids running around with Ray and Kylo like lightsabers doing this thing. What we were doing as kids, man. Who cares? There's always stuff out there. And yes, some of it will become mechanical. I won't hide my personal worry then. When you feed the audience mediocrity, mediocrity is all you're going to get. But as time has proven again and again and again, there will be a time where Star Wars fans won't be satiated anymore. They won't be stand by this like mediocrity and they'll say like enough. I'm discontinuing my Disney Plus service. I won't buy this book. And then they're gonna kind of like shake their asses a little bit and like, oh my God, we gotta step our you know game up and introduce a new A Star Wars project. And it's gonna happen eventually. I mean, we saw it happen with arguably X-Men series is I would say the most balanced, stable, progressively good film franchise I've ever seen. But Logan is its crowning achievement. And it took 20 years in the making. And once again, I'm reiterating the point that it's there's so many moving pieces. Just be patient. Another Andor will come about maybe when I'll be 65, just a little bit older. You know? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a little suspicion at Star Wars Celebration. This is not based on rumors or anything I've heard, that they're going to announce a movie thing that's not related to anything we know about. Mm. I think the reason that the leaking of uh, the rumors of you know rogue squadron essentially being shelved and uh, the kevin feige film being shelved i think that was vaguely intentional because they're going to announce mm. something new and big and exciting at star celebration that's not just the taika Waititi film or it's going to be the taika Waititi film here's a, the name the trailer something like that some more information kind mm. of making us think maybe it's not maybe it's way close to completion that we know who knows but i'm just happy you know even even with the criticism of this episode, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I get more Star Wars. And the, as we said, the Bad Batch episode as well this week was brilliant. So I'm all happy with that. And the High Republic books I've been reading, amazing as well. So I'm all the stuff is really, and the comics are great at the moment as well for the most part. So I'm really enjoying all the styles I'm consuming. So then friends, let's give plugs and then we'll sign off for this evening. So Andy, where can people find you? I'll put links in the description as always, but your show, your YouTube channel, what you're doing, tell us. Well, uh, at the moment, I am on the fly all the time. I'm recording videos on my phone um, due to a, a change in location. Um, doing a bit of doing a bit of shoddy DIY DIY work, which is taking far too much time. <laughs> so um, you can find me doing my handheld uh, video reviews without any um, editing or any of my usual tricks of putting clips in or anything like that. 
um, over on Angry Andy Reviews on YouTube. Um, and you can find me mainly at my base of operations uh, um, at uh, Andy underscore review on Twitter. I think that's the right one. Probably given the wrong handle, but It'll there the you go. But you can you can find me. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going through the motions. Been watching uh, uh, The Last of Us recently. Been doing reviews on that. And I've just started on The Mandalorian as well. Struggling with movies, though. Struggling with movies. I, I watched Ant-Man, Quantumania. Need to do a review on it, but didn't enjoy it enough that I really want to spend time talking about it any further. I, I really to be quite it. honest. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, there we go. It's, it's, yeah. it's up I'm, I'm a very optimistic person, though. Like, there's very... It's quite... I can only probably name probably 15 or 20 films I've seen that I think are, like, I actively didn't enjoy watching mm. and I kind of regret watching. Maybe 20. I'm a pretty optimistic when it comes to it. I'm like, meh, that was all right. I'm I'm fine with that. And then I move on. And yeah. I did actually really enjoy uh, a man. But yes, oh. check out Andy's stuff. It's brilliant. It's fun. He gets to see the angry from where his name comes from. Ben, where can people find you? Tell us. Guys, I'm on YouTube, Star Wars Timeline, primarily doing podcasts. They're kind of okay. They're always better with British accent and with that special fluffy beard you guys are seeing on the screen. <laughs> and by, that, by that, I mean Mike. I, I need to drag it more into it. I'm also on Facebook, also Star Wars Timeline, where we try to have a healthy, fun debates, discussions without literal. Anybody's welcome to come in, say their piece in a constructive, respectful manner. I'm also on Twitter. SWT underscore channel where I do my most explicit. This is my Zen place. This is where I get to unload all of my crap about how I feel like my misgivings about Star Wars, the most emotional things, <laughs> and still try to act semi civil there too. But um, once again, guys, thanks so much for having me. Andy, I love when we get to cross pathways on the Twitter, interacting with you. Your stuff is always awesome. Mike, great talking to you as well. You guys are true gentlemen and scholars of Star Wars. And you too. Thank you very much, sir. And you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, if people can see on video, I've got a little signy thing just there. There you go. <laughs> Fun times. Um, yes, you can find me. And there's, little, uh, there's a wooden one, a woodburn one there as well. Two places. <laughs> um, but that's, you're probably watching this. If you're seeing the video, you're on my YouTube channel. So go check out all my other Star Warsy stuff on there. And follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Recently had a conversation with Kevin Shinnick, who wrote Force Collector. He's also worked personally with George Lucas. So that was a really, really cool conversation. We talk about movies, history, George Lucas, Star Wars detours, Star Wars project that never saw the light of day and lots of other really interesting stuff he's a great guy really really cool guy and uh, so check that episode out and if you're listening to this go check out Star Wars Comics and Canon because you never have to have picked up a Star Wars comic in your entire life you can just go over there or listen to episodes and stuff you fancy if you're on YouTube you can just check out the playlists there if you just want to hear everything about Darth Vader go over there listen to me talk about the comics I go through the plot details so you don't have to uh, but if you have done it serves as a refresher and you get bonus information along the way uh, but on this episode of Mandalorian, there wasn't really that much episode, uh, bonus stuff to tell. So sorry, friends. <laughs> Last episode there was. Maybe next episode there will be. We shall see. But Andy, Ben, it's always delightful speaking with both of you. I'm so happy you could come on the show and chat Star Wars with me. And it's always just a pleasure speaking to two people who are passionate about Star Wars, who we have varying opinions, but we can all be respectful and have a really great, long, tangent-filled conversation. It's delightful. <laughs> so thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.